My friend, this is Joe Bakmotsky. I want to welcome you into this conversation of healing from trauma. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Cindy Jacobs, who is a coach, who is a counselor, um, a somatic experiencing practitioner, and a lot of work that Cindy is doing today has really been informed by her own experience of working with horses in a way that really can be incredibly supportive in feeling better and leading a happier, more fulfilled life. So today we're going to talk about equine therapy, uh, what it is, um, how it works, and I guess how it might help in healing from trauma. So Cindy, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. It's nice to be here. (laughs) Uh, Cindy, you did so many great things. I really want to dive in and really get to know your perspective. I really want to, first of all, ask you, Cindy, like, how would you define trauma given everything that you know and have experienced today? Oh, that's a that's a really hard question to answer. There have huh. been books written on that, and I don't think anyone really can encapsulate the definition of, of trauma. So at the risk of oversimplifying, um, the way I see it is that trauma is and overwhelm it's an, it's an event that overwhelms our fragile automatic autonomic nervous system and so it differs for for different people and of course it's on a spectrum and you know it can be cumulative but essentially it's just an overwhelm to our nervous system i know it's simplification but it's you know sometimes it's easier to keep it simple rather than getting too bogged down in the variables and the, the complexities of trauma. Yeah, 100% Cindy. And listen, I know that somatic experiencing is, is, is definitely a part of what you're doing. So tell me, what is it that you, I guess, love about somatic experiencing? And, and I guess what makes it so effective? Uh, I do love SE. Um, it's, in my opinion, it's very predictable. And... There is, uh, yeah, it's surprisingly, it's very predictable. <laughs> and Peter Levine, uh, maybe 50 years ago, he uh, was curious about how animals in the wild who have the same nervous system as humans do face life-threatening events every day and they don't get PTSD and we do. And his question was, what are they doing that we're not doing or what are we not or what are we doing that they're not doing so what is it what is the difference that these animals survive life-threatening events every day and you know they reset their nervous systems and something about us doesn't so that was kind of uh you know his lifelong question that he explored through somatic experiencing and and soma the body so what i love about se is that it's in my opinion, this is just me, <laughs> is, is that it's very predictable. So we have an adverse event and then we somehow escape that event because um, we're still here. So something happens and we're still here. So we escape the event and the uh, innate defense response that our bodies wanted to execute, if they're not... <clears throat> if they're not uh, executed in the way that our body wants to do a self-defense response, that energy gets trapped in our body. So normally we have the event, 
we escape the event, so there's usually a movement or some kind of a survival action. Then we have a discharge, so we release the residual adrenaline that's caused us to be able to break free or to run or whatever it is we need to do. And the last step is something that we quite often don't do, which is once we've discharged this energy by shaking or some kind of movement, we look around. You know, we scan the horizon for potential threat. And that's the cue where our body sends a message to the brain that says it's over, coast is clear, I'm good to go, I can go back to grazing and I'm ready for the next adventure. So it's, it, I know I'm really simplifying it, and, uh, but every client that I've worked with for however many years, 15 years, I see these, th this pattern where we have the event and we take these actions and then uh, we need to do a self-defense response that the body wants to take. So the other interesting thing is that our mind has, has one idea of the event. So it has a sequential memory of something that happens to us. And our bodies have a different version or they want a different version. And so they're not, they don't necessarily have to match and so to give you an example, this is a really classic example. I was working with a client who was in a terrorist attack in Madrid airport and a bomb went off. And she was planning to fly to Adelaide the next day, but she's got PTSD and she has panic attacks just going near an airport. And so I asked her what, uh, what happened and she goes, oh, I was in the airport and a bomb went off and she put her hand up and I asked her, what's, what's your hand doing? And she looked at it like it didn't belong to her and she goes, oh, I'm stopping the bomb. And so this is, this is the wow. innate response that the body wants to take. And so I asked her to hold it there. And so she held it there and until she felt like she was finished and she put her hand down and then organically she looked around and then smiled at me. And she sat up straight and tall and she just said, you know, she just kind of had a bit of a laugh. And so what's interesting about that is that she escaped the airport because they ran out of the airport. So she survived it. And yet she got PTSD. So that's interesting in itself. So what does that mean? And I formed the, uh, the opinion that maybe our bodies want to prevent something. We don't just want to recover from it or run away from it. We want to prevent it. So she put her hand up. That was her body saying, I don't want that to happen. I'm stopping that before it happens. So that's why our bodies have a different idea about how to take care of itself than our, than our cognitive brain does. So the next day she flew to Adelaide, came back a week later, and I asked her, you know, how was your trip? And she said, oh, I had a really good time. And I said, and what about being on the plane? And she goes, oh, the plane, the plane, because <laughs> I forgot. So, <laughs> so you know, that's, that's what happens. You know, like we execute, you know, the response that our body wants, not our mind. Our mind tends to shut our body down and we trap the trauma response in our body. And then, you know, so we have these, these responses like, you know, PTSD or these energies in our bodies that get triggered. And so, you know, what we want to do is we want to listen to the body and ask it, how would you like to end that story? How would you like to change it? 
And so, yeah, so she's a really classic example of following the steps. You know, she blocked it. And then when she was finished, she looked around and that reset her nervous system. And so I think from what I've seen is that there are, there are predictable responses that we need to take to complete the response to a trauma. And a trauma can be, you know, it's on a spectrum, as you know, and it can be, um, you know, something, it, it can be an, an emotional response. It can be um, mental abuse, emotional abuse. It can be physical abuse. It can be spiritual uh, abuse. So it can be all sorts of different types of traumas, but the response is still the same. We want to do a self-defense response and we want to reset our nervous system so that we're ready to go again. Oh, what a, what a story, Cindy. I, I love it. And it's fascinating that, you know, our mind, the story that our mind tells us and the, what our body tells us can be sometimes completely at odds with each other. And I was also fascinated to hear about, you know, learning the, um, from, from the animal world, essentially, is, you know, how we respond differently, I guess, because we are wired in a different way. And it's also fascinating now that you are working with horses who are animals and obviously have a different like um, nervous system. So tell me what is really that is unique about horses and in a way that can help someone in dealing yeah. with trauma. <laughs> so I pretty much practice SE. Um, I, I, I suppose I do a little bit more energy work as well, but Predominantly, it's SE. So coming back to the horses, the horses, they perform a lot of different functions when I'm with a client. And for starters, I have 16 horses and they all have very regulated nervous systems. And again, you know, well, a healthy horse will have a, a regulated nervous system because in the wild, they wouldn't survive. They'd be somebody's dinner if they didn't have a regulated nervous system. And so I have 16 and they work together as, as one. And so you can imagine when you step into their space, all of those nervous systems are synchronized and it's this coherent energy field that is just pulsing around us. And so given that, you know, we have a, you know, our, um, our hearts are, <laughs> are like, you know, well, their hearts are like 10 times as big and five times as heavy or the other way around, I'm not quite sure. But anyway, their hearts are much bigger and their hearts determine, you know, their, uh, the, you know, their resonant energy field. And so, so all of these horses are sinking together. And when we come into their space, there's one of us, there's 16 of them, and they have a powerful, coherent energy field. And so it's just physics that, the weaker chaotic one starts to synchronize or entrain to the more coherent, powerful energy field. So even if we did nothing and we just hung around in their space, our bodies are being co-regulated by the horses, whether we know it or not. The horses also intentionally change their heartbeat, their heart rate to support the client. And the way they do that is they change their breathing. So if someone comes in and they're really flat and depressed and they just they don't have enough 
you know, life force in them. They're just flat. The horses will start panting and breathing hard because that causes their heart to speed up. So their heart speeds up and then because they know that when their heart speeds up, that ours is going to speed speed up to match theirs. So they bring the client back into this window of tolerance. And the other way, if the person is really anxious, they slow their breathing down really slow. They go into a trance. They slow their breathing down. Sometimes they lay on the ground and they just because that slows their heart rate down even more. So, you know, if it's if they need to, they lay down and they just slow everything down. And so they slow that energy field down, which causes the client's heart rate to just come back down a bit lower. And horses have a lower resting heart rate than we do anyway. So um, that that influence causes our bodies to settle. And, uh, and of course, you know, we need to work in that space where, you know, there's a window of tolerance so that the client can track, you know, how they're feeling. And if they're um, too activated, then it's not good for their nervous system. So the horses are working to bring them into alignment. And one of the things I think is really cool is that they do this intentionally. And my theory, because it's just a theory, is that when we enter their space and we have a dysregulated nervous system, we're a liability to the herd because we could be attracting predators. And so they intentionally regulate us for the safety of the whole. So they can't throw us out of the herd because <laughs> they can't get rid of us. So <laughs> they've got <laughs> But I think they do it intentionally anyway. And um, that's just their, their generous spirit that they are working with us to bring us into alignment. The other thing they do is that when I'm working with the client, so I work with the client by, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but when we're when I'm working with the client, the horses know their nervous system regulation better than the client does, better than I do. They can tell when the client is reaching their tolerance and the horses will interrupt us. They'll walk between us, they'll rub up against us, you know, they'll wow. they'll do something that breaks the tension because they know that if we keep going, the client's nervous system is just going to go into overwhelm. So it's kind of like a safety thing. So they, they always interrupt and I always pay attention. And I know this because years ago, I was working with a client who had, um, had a body memory of trauma, but not a cognitive memory. And so uh, we did this exercise where she sat in a chair and I was about 10 meters away and I said, I'm just going to casually walk towards you and stop me when you feel any sort of discomfort in your body. And uh, so we did that and she kept saying, keep coming, keep coming. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm getting closer and closer. And I'm, of course, we're doing it slowly. I'm stopping and waiting for her to check in. And now we're getting really close. And one of my horses got between us and said, that's enough. <laughs> and and so um, I asked her how she was, and she said, oh, I'm really fine. You know, keep coming. And, of course, I can't go any further because there's a horse between us. And so I made the mistake of not listening to my horse and moving the horse out of the way because I listened to the client instead. And the client said, yeah, keep coming, keep coming. So I moved the horse out of the way, and I took another step towards her, and she said, you could hit me over the head with a ton of bricks and I wouldn't feel a thing because I'm not in my body. And wow. so the horse knew. So 
so it was easy to get her back in her body. So um, that wasn't really the issue, but, um, and she was okay. It's just that the horse knew before we did. She said she was okay, and I'm trusting her, and I didn't feel any uh, sort of energetic charge from her. And the horse just said, no, stop. <laughs> so ever since then, I obey my horses because <laughs> they know. <laughs> That's mind-blowing, Cindy. And I, and I also, like, I don't know if you heard this, but I also heard, like, this kind of a pulse. I don't know whether this was in your end or mine, but I think it's it's all aligned. And it's fascinating that, that horses, like, as you say, regulate as a herd, um, which is something that, us humans cannot do when we are in the group and and that 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 horses um really have that you know ability to align the you know their system to match the persons and essentially help them to to yes realign um and and am i kind of reading it correctly right it, it helps they help the person realign their nervous system and get it to a place where it's it feels safe and the trauma is being processed. Yeah. And when when people enter into the horse's space, oddly enough, they say they feel really safe. And it's it's a felt sense of safety because their bodies are actually feeling this energy field which is containing them. And so our bodies are always seeking opportunities to release the energies of trauma and, you know, unprocessed emotions, any, any sort of discordant energy that our bodies are holding, they're always seeking opportunities to release. But of course, they're not going to release unless they feel it's a safe place to do that because it could overwhelm our body. And so when people come into the horse's space, they can feel this energy field which is containing them. The, the, the problem that I have <laughs> is, <laughs> is that this stuff starts to come up too fast because the body says, here's my chance. I'm just going to let this stuff come up. And so my job is to slow it down. And because, you know, the body wants to just like, yeah, let go. I just want all this stuff to come up. And so sometimes people can feel emotional almost instantly when they come into the horse's space because their bodies are wanting this energy to be released and they might not even have a you know any sort of thoughts about anything in particular and they get emotional because the body wants to release these emotions so uh, we contain that of course and we guide the client to allow those energies to be released in a really slow titrated safe way but yeah the horses so the horses are doing the down regulation, <laughs> but they're also stimulating these energies to come to the surface. So they're kind of doing, you know, two opposing things. And then the other thing that they do is that when there is, uh, when the client um, either says something which is truthful to their body, that there's an alignment of energy in the body, and the horses will lower their heads and lick their lips. And because that's a release of pressure. So that's what they do. They respond to a release of pressure or a shift from sympathetic to parasympathetic. So as the client relaxes, as they say something which is in alignment with the tr their real truth, the body goes, yeah, that's right. And there's a 
there's a settling that happens in their body and sometimes they don't notice it but i see we see the horses licking their lips and going oh you know check in you know when you just said that what shifted so the horses give us this biofeedback that helps us to get uh, to develop greater self awareness about how our bodies are responding to our thoughts moment to moment wow so it's it's kind of this this two way communication that that happens without speaking that's fascinating Cindy and you, you it's it's so obvious Cindy that you have such a you know a personal connection with the work that you're doing with horses with healing from trauma how, how did all that come about <laughs> well um my background is corporate and i used to have a company and we were involved in change management and and deploying massive change in big companies and um so uh i decided i'd had enough of that and i mean it's kind of the same thing you know you're dealing with ch- massive change you know and you know right. with hundreds or thousands of people versus an individual so i kind of got burned out and um so i decided that i would take some time off and i would do i would just uh so i'm also a coach so I did some executive coaching and I noticed that um my my clients were having the same issues with their their workforce so I worked with leaders of organizations and I noticed they were having the same issues that I was with my horses in other words you know feeding my horses didn't give me leadership rights you know so <laughs> I actually I actually had to be a leader so it it started me on this journey of what does that mean and and seeing the parallel between how horses you know look at leadership and how humans look at leadership you know like genuine leaders not people who are appointed into roles and so i studied equine therapy a bit and i started to offer programs for leadership development and team development and what happened was when people would come to these programs like you know work teams they were getting really emotional really fast and that's just, that's not normal you know normally you know when you're with your work colleagues you kind of hold it together you know that's yeah. what we tend to do hopefully, and yeah <laughs> yeah hopefully and yet you know there's people having all this emotional meltdown not really a meltdown but just a, a you know a purging wow. and so i realized it was my horses that was causing that that energetically so if you look at if you explain it with physics so the horses have a very high vibration because they live in the moment they don't hold they don't hold their trauma they don't hold their emotions they just move it through and clear it so they are, they have these clear vessels and they're high vibration and we come along and we're at a lower vibration because we carry our baggage <laughs> and so when you put physics when you put a lower vibration in proximity to a higher one it starts to vibrate faster and starts to rise So if you have unprocessed emotions then chances are when you're with a horse those vibration that that emotion is just going to vibrate faster and faster and come to the surface. And so um I didn't have that understanding at the time but I knew that my horses were causing something to happen. And so I wanted to know more about that. So I did um uh I did the somatic experiencing training. and uh, also counseling training and what was interesting is that one of my horses used to visit my client in his sleep <laughs> and, oh wow and, 
and used to say, tell her to go further. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. And he, he'd ring me up and he'd say, do you know what that means? I go, yeah, they want me to do more training. <laughs> yeah, I need I need more skill, basically. I needed more skill. So, yeah, so the, my horses literally just pushed me to keep learning and um, to, so that I could support them in their work. <laughs> so yeah, the horses made you do it, Cindy. That's what it is. <laughs> the horses made me do it. Yeah. And and the funny thing is I, I moved to um, – um, I was originally in Torquay and now I'm in an, a town called Marawari, which is close to Torquay. And when I moved, I, I spoke to my friend who's an animal communicator and I said, you know, do the horses still want to do this work because – you know, I really don't want to invest in, you know, infrastructure and everything that goes with it if the horses aren't interested. And she said, the horses are telling her that they're only with me because I let them get their work done. And if I didn't, they would just find another human. So, <laughs> so clearly, you know, this is, you know, we all have purpose in life. You know, every sentient being has purpose. And my horses, you know, among other things, their purpose is to help humans heal their trauma. And so they do it intentionally. Do all horses do it? I don't know. I think they have the uh, capability, but my horses live like a herd of wild horses. So they're not, I don't, you know, I don't impose on them. I don't violate their bodies. You know, when, you know, when we've had trauma, there's always a you know, if it's a physical trauma, there well, there's whether it's physical or not, there's always a violation, a boundary violation, and so you know whether it's a a trust or it's a physical boundary, emotional boundary. So there's always a boundary violation, and so in order for me to walk my talk and be true, then I have to treat my horses with respect and not violate their boundaries, and so everything is by invitation. So they live like a herd of wild horses. They're not trained. They're not ridden, controlled, disciplined, dominated. Nothing happens to them so that they are free spirits and they willingly choose to engage with us. So I think the conditions have to be appropriate for horses to step into that space. Otherwise, they're in survival mode. So, yeah, so I think, you know, horses can do it. So when you were talking about equine therapy, you know, um, all all um, equine therapy practices are different, you know, and it depends on the discipline that the practitioner has been trained in. So, for example, I'm in um, SE training. Um, it depends on their philosophy and their relationship with their horses. And so they're all very, very different. So uh, there's no... There's no way to regulate this field because uh, the reality is that it's the discipline that the practitioner is trained in, which is is uh, what's regulated. So because I'm an SE practitioner and, and I'm a trauma counselor, so I'm, reg you know, technically I'm regulated by the Australian Counseling Association, not some kind of equine therapy body because there isn't one. So. Um, People who are seeking equine therapy have to be very clear about uh, and, and ask maybe the questions about, you know, what, what's your training and, you know, what's your philosophy with your horses and how do you treat your horses and 
how do they live and um, to get a better sense of that. And many equine therapy modalities are cognitive based. So basically they say, um, here is a challenge, here's a task, go and do it. And then they do a debrief later. So it might be, go, go, here's a rope, go catch a horse. And then the person has to figure out what to do with the rope and how they catch a horse. And then you do a debrief around, so what worked for you and what was challenging for you and what would you do differently? So it's very cognitive-based. Mm-hmm. It's not somatic-based. Yeah. And that works for kids. You know, when, I, when I'm doing games and stuff with kids, I'll get them to do some activities. And, but, you know, people who are um, wanting to clear their trauma, then um, a cognitive-based model, in my opinion, is not the solution. Yeah, especially Cindy, um, especially when you earlier you used the example of someone who had a, a body memory of going through trauma, but not necessarily you know cognitive memory. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so for those types of experiences where maybe there's a lot of disassociation, that that might be um, a better approach, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, wow. Uh, so, and how did you, I guess, so this, your own method, you know, of working with horse, horses in this way to help resolve uh, trauma, um, like, did this come about, kind of, did this evolve naturally as it went on? Like, you, you, you said that you, you were working with clients, you had seen what people respond to, you had seen how horses respond to, so is the, did this kind of evolve over time? Um, no, not really. Um, when I did my SE training, um, I just got straight into it. So, um, you know, we would greet the horses and, and I have a couple of, uh, little protocols that I do before we enter the horse's space. And then we greet the horses and then usually, um, we sit down in the horse's space and the horses are free to move around us. And so, um, and actually the horses are safer when they're at liberty like that, meaning they're not tied up, they're not restrained, because like us, if something doesn't feel safe or comfortable, our immediate response is to move away from it. And so not to fight it, not to, you know, to pick a fight with someone. If we feel uncomfortable, we want to move away from them. That's our natural response. And the same with the horses. So their first response is move away if that doesn't feel safe or comfortable. And not bite or kick, move away from. So if if they're tied up, then that first response is taken away. And then they they don't have any choice if they don't feel safe or comfortable. They might nip or they might flick a foot at someone because they don't feel safe as a warning, like, you know, get away from me. So my horses never bite, they never kick because they can move away. You know, they can take care of themselves. And again, you know, it's it's modeling what we want to do for ourselves in the world. We want to be able to take care of ourselves. And so that's that's what the horses do. So we we usually find a place to sit down um, in the horse's space. And then um, obviously, you know, the client comes with some sort of challenge that they're dealing with. And as soon as they mention a little bit about the challenge, because I'm not, I don't go into story, story just re-traumatizes and they already know the story so they might mention a little bit about what they need to work on 
And then I redirect their awareness to, so what happened in your body when you made, when you said that? And, you know, so we start tracking energy in their bodies and we look for defense response movements to complete the trauma response. Sometimes if there's overwhelming emotions, then we, we clear those first. And so it's just tracking the emotion and, um, the light of our consciousness, when we shine it onto energy, it causes it to change. So, you know, I guide my clients through, you know, just shine your awareness onto that energy. It's just energy. And be, you know, be the observer, be the witness, and notice how that energy wants to express. So emotions want to express, they want to metabolize. So we can just stay with an emotion and feel it. And as you as you're feeling it, it's morphing and changing, it's metabolizing, it's leaving the body. So, and the horses usually gather around us. <laughs> and I was just thinking today about one of my clients and how they, they were like in our faces, they were so close. And so they, they magnetize to us because when the client is, is taking responsibility for the energy they're holding and they're working with it, the horses are you know, there's like 16 of them surrounding us and working their yawning and, and, you know, they, um, or they might, you know, one put her head on the client's chest because she was feeling sadness and the horse come in and, and, you know, has their head right there. And, you know, so they're all around working energetically with this client. So it helps shift the energy, um, maybe more easily. Um, it contains the, um, the, the energetic space and of course um you know the client feels like um it's it's kind of special you know it's just like wow these beings are choosing to to they've accepted me into their space and they're choosing to work with me so um it's quite uplifting to have that much support from you know from the animal world and so we we work with energy however it wants to show up and we listen to how the body wants to complete that energetic expression. And the horses yawn. When they're yawning, that's a, uh, a sign that the client is releasing lots of you know, toxic or discordant energy. And so the horses will yawn a lot as a sign that they're working with the client to uh, move or shift that energy, transmute it. Um, and the horses will touch the client where the energy is is kind of concentrated in their bodies. Sometimes if the client has pain, they might, like let's say they have a shoulder, a, a sore shoulder, and the horse will come over and start rubbing on the shoulder and then the pain disappears. So so it's not magic. They're just able to, to clear an energy block so energy can flow because pain is blocked energy. So horses are masters of, of energy. They can see energy. They can track it. They can, they know more than we do about what, you know, what our bodies are holding. And, and they're so, they're so much smarter than me. Like <laughs> every time I predict, oh yeah, that horse is going to lay down. And they go, no, I'm not. <laughs> like it's almost every time they, you know, when I predict they're going to do something, they do the reverse. And then I try reverse psychology on them and they look at me like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> so. <laughs> So they have a bit of uh, humor, and um, so they they they're playful as well. And so they keep this 
energy in this space really light and joyful, even though we're we're working with really serious, um, you know, situations and and difficult energies. The horses are able to to support us. Since I love the passion of how you just you uh, in your work and and the working with your horses is just it's it's beautiful. Cindy, if someone wanted to work with you or find out more about you, um, what would you have them do? Um, call me. Uh, call me or send me an email or send me a text. And and then uh, normally I have a chat with them to see, you know, ask, answer their questions, see what, you know, they'd like to have different in their lives, what they want to change. And then we discuss, uh, you know, having at least one session um, so that they can decide whether this is something that would be helpful for them. So I don't get them to lock into multiple sessions. However, um, uh, I'd have to say, I'm just trying to think, I can't remember anyone not saying this, that all of my clients feel better after the first session because their their bodies have had this, it, like they've just been uh, like uh, nuked. <laughs> You know, they've just been in this high uh, coherent energy field. And so their bodies are, are basically getting a tune-up. And so there's, uh, and of course, they're releasing and clearing. And so um, so one session, people will feel quite different. However, um, you know, the the body stabilizes itself with the energies that it's holding. And then once those energies have been, some of them have been released, then the body has to recalibrate and there's that that period of time when it's a little bit destabilized not in a bad way but the body now has to adjust because as we as we clear heavy energies the entire body has to recalibrate and uh, people feel tired after that and often sleep much better after that because their bodies are working differently and so to to kind of um to to establish that pattern then multiple sessions is is advisable. Multiple meaning like three to five as a minimum. Um, and you know, most people will feel quite a lot different after three to five sessions. So it's not a lifelong process. I have a belief that, you know, trauma is not a life sentence. And it's just, you know, we need to work with the energy to clear the toxic energy and reset the nervous system and sort of restore equilibrium. And so um, it shouldn't be a lifelong endeavor, you know, you know, just like the animals in the wild. We're the same nervous system. So we can't, we can't go through life with a, a dysregulated nervous system. Everything's compromised. So we need to reset that nervous system so we can get on with our lives, not be in that compromised state forever. So our bodies are designed to deal with horrendous trauma. We can do it. So it's, it's, you know, our, our minds kind of get in the way. And, but when we work with the body, then the mind settles as well. So um, I know I've been, that's kind of a long answer. So um, yeah, people can just contact me. We can discuss what it is they want. And, and then we go from there. Yeah, we can organize some sessions. Fantastic. Yeah. Cindy, I'll put all the contact details um, on the podcast page at powertobehappy.com. But since you have such a um, such a beautiful way of talking about your work and it's such an empowering and uplifting process, 
I just want to thank you so much for what you do in the world. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here. And same to you. Thank you for the work you're doing. I've、uh, listened to your podcast, and yeah, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being here, my friend. I want to deeply honor your life, your story, and where you are today. And it's my hope that this show it it serves you in some way because I believe that we are all just capable of so much more than we think sometimes. And and, and this incredible potential of what we are capable of and leading a life that you're proud of, that you're excited by. I tell myself, so tell my loved ones.、And、that's what I'm here just sharing this this with you, right? And I have this vision. I have this vision for bringing together. Survivors, survivors of trauma, of difficult experience, of difficult circumstance, whether that's going through sexual abuse, domestic violence, living with illness, going through war, bringing together people who've been through it or are living through difficult times, their loved ones, so we can come together. To give, give our best in our lives, in, in with our loved ones, in our communities, in our work, to grow, to grow towards our dreams, towards our hopes, towards our desires, and to heal, to heal from difficulties and struggle, and making sense of what's right for you today. That's why I'm here. That's why I wrote my book. Finding hope in times of uncertainty, a guide to thriving in the challenging world of today. And if this vision, just if it speaks to you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you if you could email me at joe at power to be happy dot com. That's J O E at power to be happy dot com. Whatever you want to say, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know what you think. And thank you again so much for being here today. I'll speak to you next time. <laughs>